Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Feel free to cancel, delete, or block me because of this list. There will no doubt be at least someone who disagrees with one or all of my choices here. These thoughts obviously come from my own perspective, so I don't need to repeat phrases such as I think or in my opinion. But when making a list like this, I've also factored in conversations I've had with friends, family, even strangers. This may speak to the sensibilities of people I surround myself with, but when we see consistent opinions, this may translate to a bigger audience. for an overrated movie. We're not talking about straight up awful ones like Howard the Duck or Mac and Me. That's too easy. This is about super successful movies that have made a ton of money and helped to define the entire 1980s. But do they get more praise than they deserve? An overrated movie, to me, is one people feel they have to like. They're the movies that we include on our top 10 list, but they're not the ones we actually watch. They have all the appearances of an epic movie, but don't quite always come together. They may be an impressive spectacle, but don't affect you in the way they should. Again, it may be more the hype of some of these movies that created their legacy and not the movie itself. All the movies I'm going to mention are good. Really good, in fact. I just don't see them as the pinnacle of 1980s movies that some people make them out to be. Okay, let's just get right into this now. Here we go. In no particular order, might I add. I wanted this to be professional. Efficient, adult, cooperative. Not a lot to ask. Alas, your Mr. Takagi did not see it that way, so he won't be joining us for the rest of his life. We can go anywhere you want us. You can walk out of here or be carried out. But have no illusions. We are in charge. So, decide now, each of you. And please remember, we have left nothing to chance. Well, we may as well start things off with a bang. As an action movie, Die Hard is great, but there are many other great action movies out there. 
The fact that it's set at Christmas was a way to differentiate it from a flood of other action movies we got in the 80s. There's the debate whether Die Hard is a Christmas movie, and we actually get some confirmation that it is from writers Stephen D'Souza and Jeb Stewart. Also, if you listen to the Stuff You Should Know podcast, in their 2017 Christmas episode, the writers actually wrote to host Josh Clark and Chuck Bryant to tell them they crafted Die Hard as a Christmas movie. Was one big reason so they could get yearly residuals? That looks like it might be the case, and I think that reveals a lot. They took a standard action movie formula, but tied it into a Christmas movie because it may not have held up on its own. It's also an overly typical theme of a good guy American facing off against an evil German. I find the scenes with Sergeant Powell and John over the walkie-talkie to be very forced and not developing naturally. The character development also feels rushed, not to mention some of the unrealistic encounters and engagements. First, why would John go upstairs only to trap himself? The escape plan also felt based on pure luck. Why would the crew ever go along with Hans's plan? How did Hans know for sure the FBI would cut the power and they were all going to just escape in an ambulance unnoticed? Why would a tech genius like Theo go along with a plan he didn't fully know and be part of a hostage murder robbery situation? The plot is incoherent and apparently this has to do with the rewrites that were happening as they filmed. That's never a good sign. If they made the plot more similar to the book, yes it is based on a book, it might have made more sense. In the movie the FBI guys were moronic and the thieves, you know, maybe instead of terrorists might have been a better move, again harkening back to the book. It had almost too much of a sitcom-y feel to it at that point. Somewhere along the way, we all got convinced that Die Hard is the greatest action movie of all time. Remember, it's still great, but I believe its hype has preceded it. Alan Rickman is amazing in it, though. The next movie I want to look at is Tron. Tron is one of those movies I've always looked back on fondly, but when returning to it, it doesn't hold up. I think this is another factor that makes a movie overrated. It should hold up and fill you with that original thrill. Tron was a technological marvel when it came out in 1982. The special effects, of course, look dated by today's standards, but they're still decent. Tron isn't on the level of Blade Runner, which has special effects and imagery that made it look like it was made less than 10 years ago. And Tron relied so heavily on special effects that the rest of the movie falls flat. It is very boring at times and seems more like a showcase for technological achievement than for classic storytelling. Despite having some iconic imagery, when you look around at the general response to it, Tron doesn't exactly shine through. It's a movie I'm less likely to go out of my way to watch. Get your butts above the hard deck and return to base immediately. Yes, sir. Tower, this is Ghost Rider requesting a flyby. Negative, Ghost Rider. The pattern is full. No, no, ma'am. This is not a good idea. Sorry, Goose. 
but it's time to buzz the tower. Yes, the action in Top Gun is awesome, but it should be. This is a movie about fighter jets, so there's no way it shouldn't be amazing. It was pretty incredible to see these real-life planes and ships put on film. And it's really interesting. One fact was the Navy made their F-14s available, but it cost the production $7,800 an hour. There's also a funny story from when they were shooting on the aircraft carrier. The captain had sailed the ship into an area with bad lighting. To get the ship back on course so they could properly film ended up costing the production another 25 grand on the spot for just five minutes of filming. Despite all this, they still made the movie for only $15 million. They also based it on a 1983 article called Top Guns. The fact this movie was based on a magazine article and not a deeper story or narrative may explain its lack of depth and hollowness. Top Gun seems more like a recruitment video than true character development and storytelling. Maverick is simply a D-bag, and he doesn't experience growth or progression as a character. It may have been more interesting to see him rise the ranks and develop his skills to become an elite fighter the way Luke Skywalker did. Despite the impressive production, this movie may not hold up as well as you remember. If you haven't seen it for a while, go back and watch it, and you may be left a little disappointed. The writing, the dialogue, the acting, they're not great. It almost feels like the ultimate bro movie. I always felt excited to go back and revisit Top Gun, and like I said, was left kind of disappointed. Indiana Jones and the Raiders of the Lost Ark is an all-time movie classic. It helped reintroduce the classic swashbuckling movie formula, but its follow-up is absolutely one of the most overrated movies from the 80s. And we're, of course, talking about Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom. This is a movie that pushed the boundaries of what the PG rating was and is responsible for the creation of the PG-13 rating. I've done an entire show about that if you want to go back into the previous episodes to check it out. But the dark themes in this movie were because of the turmoil facing George Lucas and Steven Spielberg in their personal lives. I have no problem with violence, but the violence in this movie is excessive and needless. This again was a reflection of the darkness going on in Spielberg and Lucas's own life. It's also way over the top. The middle part of the movie is a disaster. The acting is often terrible and some of the lines in it are just eye-rolling. There are some great technical shots and that minecart roller coaster scene is still extraordinary. When stuff between Raiders of the Lost Ark and The Last Crusade, the Temple of Doom just doesn't hold up. Indiana Jones is considered, you know, one of the best trilogies of all time, but I don't think it is because of how it really dips in this middle act. And it's often discussed as an 80s classic, but when you go back and watch it, it really doesn't deserve that title. If you haven't seen this movie for a while, it starts off kind of exciting and you're happy to get back into it. 
and then you're kind of questioning exactly what you're watching. It just doesn't hold up the way you may remember it. Thankfully, Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade brought true glory back to the franchise with one of the greatest movies ever made. And the trilogy was made complete, never to be ruined again. So let's just move on. This next one is the reason I was debating doing this whole show. And you might, you know, just exit out right away, which I can understand. But hear me out. PB and J with the crusts cut off. Well, Brian, this is a very nutritious lunch. All the food groups are represented. Did your mom marry Mr. Rogers? Uh, no, Mr. Johnson. Huh. Here's my impression of life at Big Bry's house. Son? Yeah, Dad? How's your day, pal? Great, Dad. How's yours? Super. Say, son, how'd you like to go fishing this weekend? Great, Dad, but I've got homework to do. That's all right, son. You can do it on the boat. Gee. The Breakfast Club feels like a movie that you have to say you like. And I understand, of course, why people love it. But if you're making a top 10 list of 80s movies and The Breakfast Club isn't in there, what are you even doing? For all the adulation this movie gets, it's one that I don't always feel the need to maybe ever rewatch again. And does rewatchability have a lot to do with what makes for a classic movie? Maybe, but to me, it's not a movie I'll ever throw on the same way I would with Back to the Future or Gremlins or Ghostbusters. The classic coming-of-age theme is definitely relevant, and we get to see ourselves in at least one of the characters. I feel I've seen it enough times to get everything out of it. Again, it feels like a movie you have to always reference if you truly say you love the 80s. The Breakfast Club is a great movie, don't get me wrong, but maybe not as great as everyone claims. It's often stated as the defining movie of the 1980s, and I wouldn't classify it this way. The coming-of-age core message still rings true, but it always had that feeling of a made-for-TV movie or an after-school special. Not that those are bad, but we don't always, you know, return back to them the same way. It speaks best to those who were that age when it came out and could instantly identify with the look and situations that kids in the 80s went through. But every generation goes through these same things, and the specific time setting isolates it. This causes problems translating to different generations, and that's another factor that can make a movie overrated. My nieces and nephews are in junior high, high school age, and they love things like Indiana Jones and Gremlins and Ghostbusters and Goonies. The Breakfast Club does nothing for them because it speaks to a specific time and not their time. All-time classic movies should cross over multiple generations and eras. A good example of this is the movie Clueless. My nieces and nephews love it, and this thing still feels fresh and relevant despite the fact it's nearly 30 years old. I don't know if you've seen Clueless in a while, but it just seems more contemporary despite its age. 
Yes, the themes in The Breakfast Club are still relevant, but it's the presentation that holds it back a bit. Again, like all these, The Breakfast Club is still a good movie, a really good movie. I just wouldn't consider it the Citizen Kane of the 1980s. Here's another one I just always assumed was good, even though I hadn't seen it in a long time, and that's Caddyshack. This one pains me because it's just sort of ingrained itself into the idea that it's this all-time comedy classic, but is it really? Is that maybe not that great? And it's got a lot of, you know, famous quotes and imagery, but I don't know if that's enough to hold up the entire movie. It's not that great, and it's aged, again, really poorly. If you haven't seen this thing for a while, you maybe have have a whole different um, perception of it in your head compared to what it's actually like. It feels like it's uh, a bunch of SNL skits all thrown together. It, It seems like it was multiple scripts that were kind of, again, hobbled and stitched together that maybe necessarily didn't work. Like they were parts from separate movies and they put them together. And then the fact that it was going to be completely overridden by all the improv of the cast, you've got some of the best comedy performers in history. So to me, Caddyshack is, you know, at best a glorified SNL sketch and maybe not an all-time comedy classic. Again, when you have heavyweights in this movie, you've got Rodney Dangerfield and Chevy Chase and Bill Murray. Of course, you know, there's going to be great moments and, like I said, all this amazing improv, but it's not holding up in the way we think it would. Like, you know, maybe like an average SNL skit at best when you've got these comedy all-stars, it should have been even bigger and better and more memorable and not really as lackluster as it turned out to be. I know Harold Ramis is responsible for Caddyshack and and he's brought us so many great things in the 1980s. And I feel like his career got better after Caddyshack and he had to go through sort of the pains, the growing pains, the teething, if you will, of putting together this hobbled, you know, sort of sketch fest into a movie that didn't turn out maybe the way they were hoping. And ultimately that was good because he learned from that and then brought us more classics. So Caddyshack's one of those ones that kind of falls on the line. Again, you probably haven't seen it in a while either, unless you're a diehard Caddyshack fan. Like I said, it's one of those things I returned back to and it just wasn't there anymore. Here's our last one. First wash all the car, then wax. Wax. Well, what do I have to wash all the car? Remember, dear, no question. Yeah, but I... Wax on, right hand. Wax off, left hand. Wax on, wax off. Breathe in through nose, out the mouth. Wax on, wax off. Don't forget to breathe. Very important. Wax on, wax off. Wax on, wax off. Hey, where these cars come from? I understand the Karate Kid is a favorite of many, but somewhere along the way, it got lumped in with The Empire Strikes Back and Back to the Future is one of the best of the decade. 
I don't really think it is. The Karate Kid is good. It has some iconic moments, lines, and of course, imagery. I just think this formula has been done a lot better. At the time, yes, it held up, but there wasn't as much to compare it to. There's also the issue that Daniel is maybe the real bully in this movie, and whether or not you agree with that, it can change the way you view it. The Karate Kid also gets lumped in as a sports film for some reason, and I suppose it is, but again, if that's the case, I think there is a lot that did it better, such as Rocky, Field of Dreams, even Remember the Titans. Many also say the ending to this movie is extremely rushed. I don't want you to think I don't like The Karate Kid. Far from it, in fact. I think it's really good. I just don't think it's the greatest. So let's start winding this thing down before it really gets out of hand. I don't know if there is such a thing as a perfect movie, but there's definitely some that are close. To me, a perfect 80s movie would, of course, be something like Back to the Future or Ghostbusters, obviously The Empire Strikes Back. But there are people who probably see those as kind of lackluster, and they have their very good reasons, I'm sure. So, like I said at the start, these are from my own opinion. And but taking into account, you know, the different conversations and stuff like that with friends and family and, and different strangers and that. So, of course, I understand if you disagree with some or all of my choices. But I think, you know, the reasoning I'm put forward here is is pretty justified. And I'm sure you have your own list of movies that fall into this overrated category. If we're looking at all time overrated movies, we could go on forever. But, you know, we're obviously limiting things to the 1980s. So these movies, I have to say it again, they're good. They're really good. Some of them, you know, I'll still watch. You know, I don't mind checking them out. They just don't come to mind as the very best representation of the decade. With enough time, will these movies make a new impression? It's hard to say. I'd say at this point, if they're not holding up now, I don't know if they ever will. You know, we're looking at... 40-ish years, give or take a bit, for some of these classics now. I, I, their time may have come and gone. Some are holding up as good now as they ever did. To me, these ones just aren't. But with so many great other offerings from the 1980s, I don't think these choices just stand at the forefront. So thank you for joining me here today. Thank you for listening. And speaking of movies, and if you're in a position to support this show, you can check out patreon.com. So that's a platform for where as little as a few bucks a month, you can support small independent podcasts like this, but you get different audio rewards. And there are various tiers, and with each tier comes different rewards. So, speaking of movies, one of the tiers is the Boba Fett level, and that gives you access to the Everything 80s Movie Club. So that's where I do reviews of the good, the bad, and the ugly of 1980s movies. So, you know, recently we just did UHF, but I've done The Lost Boys and Little Shop of Horrors, for example. There's also Blade Runner. So, like, a bit of everything over there, so we can break them down even further. So, if you want to learn more, if you want to check that out you can head to patreon.com slash 80 so p-a-t-r-e-o-n.com slash 80s just to learn more or wherever you're listening to this on there should be a link that'll take you straight there and last thing i want to mention just speaking of independent podcasts that how much i appreciate whether you support or, or just listen and download because it's harder to stand out in this huge podcast universe now with 
you know, giant podcast networks, celebrities and corporations. And just about last week, I crossed the 250,000 download mark. So quarter of a million, which always sounds more when you throw million in when it's nowhere near that. But that is pretty astounding to me. I didn't know if this would ever get 100 downloads or 1,000, but for 250,000 for a small, tiny podcast, you know, was pretty amazing to me. I, I know people who run giant podcasts who get that like a week, but that was pretty remarkable. So thank you for being a part of the show and supporting small little shows like this. And there are a bunch of other amazing ones out there. So it is a good time for podcasting. It's just hard to sort through all the big, you know, recommended lists and all the promotions of the big, huge podcast networks and stuff like that. So basically, thank you for being here and supporting the show in whichever way you do. So that's it for me. I'll be back soon with a new episode. Don't you dare miss it.